Hey everybody, this is Perch, and I'm here with uh, Joe Corallo. How are you doing? I'm all right, Perch. How are you? I'm doing great. We have a very special guest today. We're we're talking with uh, Sean Gordon Murphy. Sean, how are you? Good, man. It's good to uh, finally uh, meet Joe, but apparently I met yeah. him years ago uh, at a signing in New York. Yeah, at uh, Midtown Comics for The Wake. Nice. Yeah. I appreciate and that. No problem. In this signing, you, you got some, you got a sketch, <laughs> I think, Joe. Yeah, I, I I did get uh there there's a Batman sketch in there. There was a one one of the vampire things. There's a lot of vampires in American you know, Vampire. When you showed me the book, I immediately remembered this because usually I'll just do one free quick sketch per person. Yeah. But if I had if I did a Batman in there too, I'm guessing Scott was probably off doing something else. And I was like, well, I might as well just keep drawing until he comes back. Yeah. Is, is that what happened? <laughs> he was on the phone um because he had to call his kids because it was getting late. Yeah. Uh, to wish him a good night. And, and yeah, that's that's what happened. That's cool. That's a nice dad and nice Sean for just keeping going with the drawing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't. I, I wasn't a dick or anything. People in the line were were good. No one walked they, away. They happy. seem to be. I mean, there's always like you know weird people on these lines, but then seem fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a pro tip here. Then, if you're doing a sign, if you're at a signing and you're getting something drawn with with uh, uh, with Scott and somebody else. <laughs> Get your get your your partner to distract Scott by talking about his kids <laughs> yeah. while the artist draws in a bunch of stuff for you. This is yeah yeah. Okay. It's actually this worked out really well for me once at a JHU signing because um, Paul Pope was like two hours late and uh, Mike Cavallero and uh, Dean Haspiel were hanging out, so I got a really nice uh, Mister Sensitive from Ecstatic sketch. Yeah. It was nice. really really nice sketch, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, I got a. Um, a, uh, a a cruder uh, dupe sketch from mm. from Paul, right? right. Yeah, this two is... hours late. That sounds about true to form to Paul, who's a yeah. friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I love Paul's stuff. I own uh, a lot of his work because it's really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's amazing. Uh, his pages are massive too. Uh, this original art collector, it's they're almost too big sometimes. Where I feel like people mm -hmm. don't know how to display them properly, or shipping them is different, of course. Yeah. Uh, Howard Cruz, um, I, he was a friend of mine, you know, before he, he passed away a uh, year and a half ago now. It's crazy. But uh, mm -hmm. I have uh, some original art from him. And, yeah. and those are like the massive uh, pages. They're, uh, they're yeah. definitely much bigger than 11 by 17. Yeah. And we're here today to talk about original art, which exactly leads us right into this. Huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, as an artist, obviously, original art and, and commissions and all that is a huge part of your life. Um, I mean, it's it's part of the business. I, I, but a lot of people seem confused about it. Like, like, how do they get it? What do they do? Uh, but there's in, there's interest, but there's a lot of confusion. It's not a well described thing. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I uh, and I know people don't like to talk about numbers, <clears throat> but I make about uh, two thirds of my yearly income off of original art. Um, or going to conventions for appearance fees and selling um, prints of original art or whatever it is. So there's sort of like these side hustles that you, uh, you have the benefit, like Batman pays well, the royalties are great, of course, but Batman also gives you a higher profile where you can yeah. sell these originals for more of these covers, charge yeah. more for commissions, whatever. You know, if I wasn't on Batman, I probably wouldn't be getting these invites to shows as much, and blah, blah, blah. So there's like the side side bonus of uh, doing high uh high profile figures like that. It's a nice ecosystem that, that works out where you, you, you work, you work very hard in your career. You get to a book, you get to a certain place. And of course it opens up other doors. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's funny because uh, you guys both collect. I mean, we, Joe just mentioned his, but Perch, on your desk, you've got some originals that you've uh, mentioned from time to time. Yeah, quite a bit in, in the house, too. I've got a lot of Art Adams. I've got a lot of, uh, I've got something from you, which is very nice. I've got, yeah. I've got quite a bit from a lot of people. So, nice. yeah. And I think this, for, for me, it started, um, I think with most artists, selling your originals isn't something that you necessarily plan on. It's just you get an email now and then, and the guy's like, oh, uh, that Star Trek page, uh, any interest in selling that? And I think for the first five to eight years of my career, it was, I just saw it as bonus money. I didn't mm -hmm. have a website for it. I wasn't pushing it. Um, I didn't have a plan for selling it and how to price it and how to increase those prices or whatever. And it wasn't until um, the last five years where I started to really hone in on, all right, this is like a whole other serious business on the side. If I run this correctly, then I can you know, double my take each year. So I got really uh, interested in trying to maximize it, um, which sounds kind of cold to some people, but Really, like I want my customers to be happy. I want people to buy low and sell a little higher. I, I want my buyers to make money. I don't want to gut anybody. And that's yeah. the, the key word, I think, is uh, no one wants to feel like they got gutted when they buy something. Yeah. They mm -hmm. want to feel happy with their purchase. And I think there's a lot of things that arts, art dealers do that sour the process mm -hmm. uh, or artists maybe do themselves or... Um, yeah, I'm not sure which yeah. part of it you want to get into first, uh, Perch. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about. Um, I mean, what are what are some of these sour experiences? Because I, I, like I mentioned, whenever we talk about this topic on the channel, or and I bring it up, or somebody else does, um, what I notice most of all is people. It's a completely foreign world to them. There's no place yeah. for them to really understand. It's like, do I have to go to a convention to do this? How much should I pay? I've heard some yeah. bad stories about cheating, and it's right. it's so it's a. What are some of the bad experiences people do have? Like, let's let's talk uh, about that. Well, some some customers want to deal with the talent. Like, they like to just talk to artists. Like my my art dealer Jeff, uh, he's one of a close friend too, and sort of a manager. He loves talking to artists and getting Hellboy commissions. Part of the experience mm -hmm. for him is is that connection and getting a bit of a bargain. But he loves to pay them more than what they were charging as well, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I think a lot of people, when they buy, they get annoyed if you have an art dealer in the way. They, the yeah. art dealer is rude, which a lot of these art dealers are, or the art dealer is taking a cut, which that customer doesn't think he should get. Like, if I'm trying to buy something from Sean, why am I giving it to this guy who's going to take a cut? Can I just give it directly to the artist or whatever, which is fair. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, is a lot of people that get into being an art dealer, they don't have special training for this. A lot mm -hmm. of them... It feels like they, they loved comics. They didn't really have much of a direction in their career. They normally started helping an artist just as a friend. Mm -hmm. like, like, oh, I help a few of my buddies out. But then they get this idea to turn a new business. And then it, it sort of takes off. But I wouldn't say that they're planners or good at marketing or good with uh, sales or people skills. They just, they're sort of hangers on. And I, I don't mean to to shit all over these people. but <laughs> No, hangers um, on can be, a, that can be an issue. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, I, I've let go of art dealers because I didn't like the way they were treating my customers. Like if they were rude, I would say like, why are you rude to that guy? He's like, well, he was trying to get it for a, a you know, a cheaper price. He's trying to fuck me over. And I go, he's not trying to fuck you over. He's trying to fuck me over. And I wouldn't even word it that way. I think he's just haggling and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And he waited like two hours in line. I mean, like give the guy a break. His kids are running around. Like, let's just try to put yourself in his head. Sure. But um, this is a real lack of empathy uh, for a lot of um, art dealers. 
And if you listen to uh, some of their podcasts, you can kind of see like, I don't know, they just, they like, they just have, they just gouge people very naturally. And um, they feel like they have to, because if they don't, then they're just going to get fucked and they have to be mean in order to protect their, uh, their talent. But I don't, I don't think that's true at all with, um, with Jeff. I, I say everyone walks away from the table happy if they spend no money, if they spend a lot of money, like, if they're really upset and they want a refund, we'll give them a refund. Like we're not here to argue. We, we have a policy where everyone walks away happy and we've never had to, a serious uh, problem with that. We've done a lot of shows internationally and it's just mostly, you know, the how to win friends and influence people approach generally works, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a long I, answer to your question. I think, no, it's good. I, do you think I, so here's two words that kind of come to mind. I think people assume that buying art is either going to be like, uh, like kind of a, you know, flea market with a lot of haggling or like an auction. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really neither of those. I mean, is it, or, but, yeah. but I mean, how would you, how would you describe kind of that process? Yeah. Well, it can be any of that. I mean, so if you're going to buy art, you're either uh, tracking down the artists on social media and asking them about pages, which works, mm-hmm. or you're going to a, a booth at a convention where there's a bunch of black books filled with original art from the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and they're all labeled and they're kind of scattered in a pile you just dig through and you buy what you want um or sometimes you have a really good relationship with the creator and um you can get the inside scoop on batman pages that are coming out and maybe if you buy a lot from this person he'll give you a peek at the, the next next issue things like that so it really is a relationship business um and it also depends on your price point too I and mean, if you're rolling in to buy covers then you know, obviously, you've got a lot of money to spend, and the doors will open for you differently than if you're just starting to buy for the first time. Um, and if you're just starting to get into original art, then I'd say starting with commissions and head sketches at shows might be a good way. It seems like that's a better entry. I, I know a lot of people have been soured by this idea of. Well, I think they have in their head like I'd like to buy some original art that was printed in a comic somewhere. I really have no sense of the value of this. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to get sticker shock and then I'm not going to understand the process and then I'm going to get kind of discouraged and just want out. Right. Yeah. yeah. You've got different customers too. Like I know when customers buy something because they love it, uh, they don't mm-hmm. care. They're not there to flip it. They're just there because they want it and they're not high volume buyers. They're just, they're heartful buyers, you know, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. And then you've got people that do want to invest and they want to flip immediately. And those guys tend to, you know, dicker with you a lot more. And yeah. you have people that want to buy and, and invest, but they don't plan on selling it right away. They want to keep it for 10, 20 years, yeah. which is great for me because it removes that art from the market, which keeps the, it makes it more scarce, which is helpful. Yeah. I'm curious so what, I uh, and Joe, I mean, for me, I'm, a, uh, I'm not a flipper of art. I treat it like an yeah. investment and that I'll be very careful with mm-hmm. everything, but I have no intention of, of selling it. I, yeah. I've given yeah. them yeah. away. Yeah. But how about you? I, I've given some art away as gifts, but I, I mean, I keep it for, for myself uh, that I, I want it. That's why I, I purchased yeah. it. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, what was it? Uh, a good friend of mine, Martha Thomas's, uh, also mm-hmm. collects, um, art and, you know, like she's owns like original Frank Miller covers, you know, she's, she's the real deal, but yeah. she, um, will have advice like you gotta if you're looking especially if you're looking to like invest in this Mm -hmm. get contemporary art you know a lot of people think like oh i should like throw that money down to like get like an original sandman page or something like let me Mm -hmm. save up like the 10 grand or something or or get an original john byrne x-men page and it's like you'll 
that's a lot harder to guarantee yeah. that you're going to be able to flip that for the amount you paid. Like get yeah. your contemporaries now, because like you were saying in 10 years, those prices mm -hmm. go up, but yeah. you need to, you, you know, like invest in what's happening now and also mm -hmm. get stuff you, you like, don't get it because you know, like, Oh, yeah. you know, I, I think this is going to be about, you, you know, it's like, it gets stuff. Yeah. Like I always get pages from comics. I personally enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, commissions from artists I like because a lot of those old pages, yeah, those artists were screwed out of those pages. <laughs> yeah, like no joke. These some of these people sold those pages, like we're talking 30 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now these people bought them all up 30 mm -hmm. years ago, 40 years ago, and now they're charging a thousand bucks for these things. Yeah, I uh, I have a friend who's a big uh. He's been around a long time, and uh, he did this uh, Punisher cover that you guys would both know. It's a classic Punisher cover. And uh, I have another friend who was one of my big buyers, and he's sold a bunch of stuff in order to acquire this Punisher cover. And uh, I was like, oh, it's so funny. Like, I know the artist really well. He's a friend of mine. Um, so I texted the artist. I was like, hey, remember this cover? My friend's going to buy it. Uh, do you know what you sold it for? And I knew this was going to be painful, but I had to know. And he goes, uh, yeah, I think I sold that in the late eighties, late eighties for like a hundred bucks or whatever. And he goes, why, what's your friend buying it for? <laughs> and I go 70, <laughs> it's like 70 bucks. I'm like $70,000. And he writes back 10 minutes later, he goes, you know, I'm currently unemployed in comics right now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I called him immediately to make sure he wasn't going to throw himself off the balcony. Um, yeah. he was like, you know, half kidding, but half serious. And I felt bad for them because this friend is like a legendary creator who often feels unappreciated these days. Yeah. And while his classic stuff, I mean, if he did a new cover of the Punisher, it wouldn't go for 70, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to know how to do the math on that. Like, yeah. how, might go for two. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's I got some art from, from Paul Ryan back in the, I think the very, start of the nineties and I remember paying nothing for it. I yeah. mean, mm. it was, I, I think some of that stuff yeah. was under a hundred bucks and way yeah. under a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, Martha bought that, um, last page of Grant Morrison and Richard Case's doom patrol. Richard was charging $30 for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She gave him a hundred. Yeah. You could, uh, if she wanted to flip that or take it to an auction house, like I think you'd probably get five grand, no problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, I heard Guy Davis was selling art by the inch once. Yeah, he's so fast. He could do three pages a day or something, but he would sell by the inch, meaning if you held up a ruler and you want to buy a stack, he would just charge. Like, that to me is insane. I mean, even wow. if... Yeah. It's yeah. so strange. I mean, up to 10 years ago, I was I bought a Rick Leonardi Spider-Man 299 page for 40 bucks. Uh, mm -hmm. no, this might've been like 2000, so maybe 15 years ago. Uh, and now his stuff's going for at least 600 and, yeah. uh, I'm not flipping it because I love it, but I have another friend who bought, who knew Mike Mignola back in the day and bought a Hellboy cover for 500 bucks and he just sold yeah. it for 30 and he actually called Mike and said, I'm going to send you a check. Mike's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. You got a good deal at the time. And my friend's like, no, 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 right's right. Come on. Like, I, I feel bad taking all this money when I only paid you this much. Like, I'm going to send you a check. Just take it. And uh, yeah, that was nice of him. But that rarely happens. <laughs> yeah. No, abs absolutely. I mean, the the prices, I think, in particular, the past 
15, 20 years have really yeah. skyrocketed. Like there's really a lot more people interested in the original art. Yeah. yeah I honestly can't really explain why I have some ideas, but you guys are more better. You're more into economics than I am. Can you explain why it's spiked in the past 10 years? I think the the collector market in general, not, not comics, but this idea of owning something original kind of yeah. landed in people's minds and it, it happened with movies. It happened with craft mm. it happened with a lot of things. Um, I mean, even this is going to be sound like a really ridiculous connection, but, but bear with me uh, stuff like Etsy, which mm-hmm. prides yeah. itself on like, you can own an original piece of work. It, it went around the kind of the consciousness of, of consumers to say yeah. original work is valuable and it's something I want. So the, the demand just doubled. I, I mean, yeah. you could buy original art, like I said, in the early 90s, I mean, actually through the 90s, and unless you were talking about Jim Lee or Mark Silvestri or somebody who was, or Todd, um, yeah. you could pick up art really cheap, uh, including yeah. uh, these, you know, you could get it very, very inexpensively. And, but there wasn't any demand. Like I, I was running a shop and very rarely would somebody come in and, and ask for this. And then yeah. Yeah. in 2019, I'm running a shop and it's, I would say, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but not a single day would go by where somebody didn't come in asking for how to get hooked up with art. Yeah. 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 So you're right. Etsy phenomenon or even eBay before that, mm-hmm. but Etsy mm-hmm. does specialize in like vintage one of a kind items and it's set up in a nicer way too. Now, while you, while I, you know, you're talking about this at the, at the shop, how often would someone come in and say, I got this poly bag death of Superman. <laughs> how much <laughs> so it, it's interesting because it's not it, it would be almost inverse i mean man when the death of superman hit i, I remember six months later after that comic came out people wanted to flip it you know for like a thousand dollars and we're upset uh mm-hmm. in, especially in the late 90s why it wasn't worth college money um but it's like as as things like that as the death of superman issues decreased the art requests increased so it's almost a, it's almost <laughs> a separating line there yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's definitely on people's minds now. And I think this idea of I could have something nobody else could have is, is yeah. a, right. a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So the increase of, of everything going digital, uh, knowing that so much art is digital now, that probably all plays a factor too, because there's this idea of scarcity to it. I hope so. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if my ability to sell original art in the future is secure or not. Um, and Perch said recently that he thinks that it absolutely is going to go up in value because of scarcity. I oh, mean, yeah. I, th- I don't know how many artists are digital now, 50% or more. Um, oh, yeah. easily. Yeah. 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 But then I worry if there's less of it out there, I can see why it's more scarce, but if customers don't know that it's available to purchase, will they value a piece of paper with ink on it? Or would they rather have an NFT in the future? Like what do uh, generation Z's or whatever want? It's it's tough. I, I think it's happening at the wrong moment, this move to digital, because I think more and more, like, we, like we've been talking about, I think people want original art. They want something unique to them. Uh, NFTs maybe in the future. I think I think it, it remains to be seen where that all rolls out. But this yeah. idea, which is really strong with millennials and, and Gen Z, if I can have a piece of art nobody else can have and I can frame it and it's, 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 it's a cool yeah. thing, um, that that's that demand is growing while simultaneously the art being produced is shrinking. Yeah. And that's, they will drive demand, but there's a tipping point. If this goes too much further, the interest is going to, going to cap and start to decrease because there's just yeah. not enough product out there or it's going right. to price people out of the market. Like 
like a company that stock goes up way too high and then you just can't even get in. Right. Yeah. There's also a lot of artists that do like uh, a hybrid sort of digital. There are certain artists that sell their pencils, but they ink (laughs) digitally. Yeah. I I hate that. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. (laughs) You can always tell. No, no, no. You're fine. And then there's the other, the inverse of that, where there are people who uh, print out their digital line work and then hand ink over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, I have a one friend who said, because he did blue line, he'd print out his pencils into blue line, Mm -hmm. like not on photo stab blue, and he would ink over it. And uh, you don't need to erase anything. If you try to erase the ink in the paper, it's not going anywhere. So you always have this ghostly blue image behind the inks. Yeah. yeah. And I said, doesn't that bother your buyers? He's like, no, they don't care at all. And I call bullshit on that because yeah. I have French buyers yeah. who, like, if there's a, a, a you know a drip of coffee on the page, they're not inter- interested anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he was 100% printing out his pencils and inking, he didn't know any different because his you know his scheme seemed to be working in his mind. But I guarantee you if he actually penciled for real on a page and then inked it for real and erased it and sold it, that would be worth more because his hands were all over it through the whole process. Um, one time I traded uh, art with a guy. I gave him a really great Hellblazer piece that I really didn't want to let go of. He gave me an Avengers piece um, that had uh, uh, fuck, he's a Filipino artist who's really good. I'll think of it later. Lionel U. It was a Lionel oh, yeah. U page. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. And uh, as I sat down, my friend's like, this isn't, Lionel U didn't actually touch this page, you know? And I go, what? He goes, yeah, he, he printed out the blue line, he inked over it. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, that motherfucker. Like, I gave him a page that I penciled in, inked and erased, and he gave me, like, this is half the art. So mm-hmm. Lionel U's out there with some other page, the original pencils probably, and selling that. And I just felt, yeah, I haven't spoken to that inker ever since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I mean, I, I do think there's going to be a lot of those scenarios where people are are going to get wise. And I think to the earlier comment, I think that's going to drive a lot of irritation in the market. These are the kinds of small things that stick in buyers' minds and turns them off yeah. you know, even dealing yeah. with the future. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's also yeah. Um, there are people who will hand draw just the pages they know will sell Yeah, yeah. and then do digital yeah. for the rest. And then there are also people who will only sell yeah. the entire issue. Yeah, yeah, selling issue complete is, uh, that's when, you know, usually someone, if you're like a Brian, Daniel Warren Johnson or a Trad Moore, those guys yeah. tend to do it. But that's, that's actually their art dealer who's pushing that stuff. Um, yeah. My only thing with that is when you can so easily sell an issue for 20 grand, didn't you underprice it? Like, didn't you go for the fast dollar rather than piecing it out and selling it slowly? Like, I think those artists yeah. are actually losing money when they sell uh, in bulk like that. Yeah. Cause they're not, you know, some of it is like, maybe they could have gotten 25,000. They might've been stuck yeah. with a couple of uninteresting pages, but they could have right. gotten more individually for the really good ones that could have yeah. gotten them more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's funny. I get, um, I, I, I different kinds of buyers are interested in different things. Like anyone, everyone wants a splashy Batman page. Mm. But I've got people that come out of the woodwork to buy any page that has a whale on it, like a picture of a giant fish, anything with the ocean. They're into that. Uh, another I, guy would buy anything with, with polar bears. He bought all my punk rock Jesus pages that had a polar bear on it. And I finally was like, what is your, are you like a furry on the side? He goes, no, I'm not allowed to buy art unless it's from my kids uh, nursery. So 
I can buy, I figure polar bears is appropriate for little kids. And I go, have you read the rest of the book? <laughs> and uh, yeah, like anything, cars, any page I draw with cars in it, because I'm like the car guy in comics, those usually sell pretty quick. But uh, yeah. it's interesting, some of the the little ticks that customers have that they just like, and they're not always the most expensive pages. They Sometimes they just love backgrounds and oceanscapes or whatever. Yeah, but no joke though with the furry commissions. I know there are a lot of artists that oh, will yeah. admit it, yeah. Yeah. but they do a lot of furry commissions because they, yep. I don't know, what they're all doing but they got yeah. money to burn yeah, yeah. no it's, it's true yeah my uh my brother-in-law is a furry and uh so i have nothing but respect for whatever people what grown adults want to do on the side i do know a lot about the furry world but yeah. i didn't know about it in college and there was a, a student there who was literally paying his way through scad which is like 30k a year at the time yeah uh drawing pictures of lions fucking each other yeah. Uh, and he uh, he had like long, like dusty blonde hair. Like you could tell he kind of was trying to look like a lion. Um, super <laughs> nice guy. Like I'm really not judging him. Like it is yeah. kind of funny. But hey, joke's on us. We weren't paying our way through college by doing commissions, you know? Yeah. So he's laughing now. Yeah, I, I I know that there's an artist, I, I won't say who, that uh, that's to this day makes a lot of money off drawing feet. And yeah, everybody knows what it's for. Um, <laughs> And it's, you know, not Rob Liefeld, no, uh, but <laughs> there's like, they're getting major commissions off of. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that Quentin Tarantino bought art like that. Yeah. <laughs> there <What>? you go. <laughs> Out of all the artists working right now, whose art do you think gets masturbated over the most? Wow. What a question. Um, <laughs> so many choices. Um, Skip right over Adam Hughes because we know he's the winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, mm. Jason Campbell's got to be up there. Um, oh, oh, a absolutely. You know, Frank Cho. Yeah. Cho. Yeah. You know, um, maybe, maybe Adam's, but it's too expensive. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Campbell has a lot of prints out there. So, I mean, I yeah. think you can, you can get into that masturbation cheap. Yeah. yeah. I, I love he's I, he's a friend of mine and i love chatting with him because he knows what he is he knows what he's doing he he's got this this pipeline of doing these variant covers like he draws covers at a loss for marvel he's mm. the real money for him is selling prints and doing these variants and all the stuff that he does yeah um for him i think you can like you invite him to the show you have to pay more to get him at the show if yeah. you want the j scott campbell road crew they're yeah. cheaper. He will send out a team of people to sell the variants, and uh, there's probably some other deal that they make with the show. But yeah, hey, good for him. Like no one else thought of that. No, yeah. it's, um, that's the thing that I know is uh, here in Seattle. The road crew has shown up a lot, um, yeah. and and it's always it's it's funny yeah. to watch people like which ones J. Scott Campbell. None of them. <laughs> you know <laughs> the 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 uh, uh, Clay Man's probably getting up there. I yeah. saw that first Batcat cover. Yeah, that's that was that, that's up there. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> part of me is like, oh God, what if the answer is Scotty Young? Ooh, <laughs> what if yeah. that's the dark truth in this no. world? Yeah. Why did you that's do some, that? That's a profiler of Mindhunter shit right there. Yeah. You see, oh, uh, so funny story. There was a movie once with Richard Gere in it, and uh, he is arresting a pedophile. And on the uh, shelf, the pedophile has a copy of my book, Off-Road, which oh, I did back in 2002. And uh, he picks up the book and looks at it. And the intent is, or the, the uh, accusation, I guess, is that this guy's a pedophile because he's reading comics that feature like four 20-year-old boys or whatever. 
And I called Oni and I was like, did you know that this movie, like, do, do you have a lawsuit here? I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of fishy and uh, nothing ever happened. No one ever saw the movie anyway. So <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's terrible to be, <laughs> you don't want to be linked with that. Um, yeah. yeah. That, why did you say Scotty Young? <laughs> why, did, why would you do that? Um, no, I mean, yeah. Come on, Dynamite you know, crew! You can you can come in here and and take this award, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean they're they're uh, they oh. they've certainly got they they got something going, or, or whoever yeah. does Zombie Tramp, how that book is just will not end. Yeah, no, that's, that's just true. that is Action Labs like Golden Goose. That is yeah. more <laughs> more copies from Spawn very soon. Um, how, if somebody wants something personally done, that's a commission. Um, well, okay. Now I have two questions. So number one, how do they, how do they initiate that? Like, how does, I know this, a question comes up a lot. Like I want something from Sean. How do I even, you know, I go to Twitter, but oh no, there's no Sean. How do I get, uh, how do I get Sean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, you can, I have a website still. Anybody can contact me through my website. It hasn't been updated in 10 years, but that's actually the way I like it. It cuts down on traffic. Sure. Uh, I retired from commissions like five years ago. I will maybe take one a year uh, because I just don't have a lot of time. So when I do charge, you can imagine it's, it's for quite a lot. Um, but generally, I just don't take them. But yeah, if you're just trying to commissions, you just try to track down the artist through Instagram, social media, whatever, and they will get back to you or they won't. Or hopefully they'll have an art dealer and a website. Um, like I know uh, I used to be with Essential Sequential. Uh, yeah. uh, Jason Schachter and that whole crew these are friends of mine like you can buy Mateo's art it's a great website very clickable and Jason's very responsive and all that um, but yeah some artists are just you know I mean we talk a lot about how artists aren't wired for business and uh, you're going to see that when it comes to trying to track them down for art for mm-hmm. sure yeah it's it's a sluggish process I, I know I've tried and I've tried to help people out by connecting them and it, it sometimes feels like a yeah. On one hand, it's a bit of a quest, and that could be exciting. But then three yeah. months later, that quest gets old. <laughs> yeah, I, I know a guy. The guy who wanted to buy that Punisher cover, he had to. He worked for four years to track down the cover, find out who owned it, what he wanted for it. it he had like a. Uh, he hired a, another friend to just work on this part time, just figure out who this guy is, and he'll sell me this Punisher cover. And the uh, owner of the art eventually did come around, and after four years, he agreed to sell him the entire issue for one hundred and eight thousand dollars because he had the whole thing. Wow! My friend bought it for a hundred for whatever for that. I forget what the price was actually, but he only wants the cover, so he's going to piece out the rest of it basically, which is going to take him a while. But you mm-hmm. know, this is the first comic he ever read, and he loves the Punisher, and he's got the money to do it. And sure, you know, some people like Ferraris, some people like comic book art. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have another friend who uh, he reps like 60 artists and he does it almost for free because he's just trying to be helpful. And anytime somebody asks for a commission of something weird, like some nudity or some foot thing or whatever, triple the price. And he always gets it because people who want that know that it's a little bit odd, oddball and they're willing to pay for it. Um, now, the artists, he'll tell the artists, draw this. So this, this one guy wanted a commission of Hulk and the thing in a locker room. And the thing has uh, wrapped up a towel and is whipping the Hulk uh, in the butt. But the thing, his whole body is stone, but his penis is flesh. And this is what that guy wants for commissions. So my friend goes, all right, it's going to cost triple the price. The guy's oh, yeah. like, no problem. Like, 
didn't even bat an eye. And uh, so my friend goes to this artist. He's like, here's, you know, what you should draw. And my friend's like, I don't want to draw it. He goes, this guy's paying triple your price. Just don't sign it. And that was the solution. And the artist drew it, didn't sign it. The uh, commissioner didn't uh, care that it wasn't signed. And apparently this is his thing. Yeah. But <laughs> like, so many problems with no, no pun intended. Are there, are there, we are there ever weird uh, ones that like aren't like sexual? Like, it's just like, I just want Aunt May eating Pop Tarts. <laughs> yeah there's a guy with a commission uh book that wants food stuff like anything with food and it's not a fetish he just has so many books of commissions he just wanted to try to throw people a curveball sure. so there's like girls eating apples and bananas and just uh whatever another I mean, guy wants Lori artists. time in the industry right now for that so there's oh yeah <laughs> so yeah, much right? content <laughs> another guy uh wants artists to do self uh portraits but he wants them to draw themselves as a science fiction character so one guy drew his face onto r2d2 and you get some pretty creative uh things happening for when i always got those i'd be like just tell me batman or spider-man like i don't make me think please just give me something easy like i'm not like i'm not gonna be like ooh, i was having kind of a weird day but you came up to me you came you gave me this curveball man I'm so glad that you're here to make me really work my ass off and like do something creative. <laughs> it's going to stand the test of well, time. Like I am not that artist. <laughs> people have to be empathetic a little bit. Like I, I watch at conventions. Um, and I think it was Nick Dragota at once. I'm, I'm getting something. I get a quick sketch from him and he's signing something for me. Yeah. And the person behind me is like, uh, well, I'm going to get him to draw, you know, a, a view of Seattle from the pier. And on that pier is myself. And I'm hanging out with every member <laughs> of the team Titans what and the then we're, we're fighting uh, some kind of kaiju monster. And I'm like, I'm listening to it. I'm like, he's not going to do that for you. But yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. It, no artist wants to hear that. And I mean, it, it, not only is it is it annoying, but also like it's not the most fun environment to sit in no. a convention all day. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I yeah. uh, I got uh, Mike Norton once to draw Gambit, but it's Peter David as Gambit. Oh no! Okay. And uh, I got him to do that, and then I had Peter David sign it. Okay, that that was fun. That's funny. The, there, but you, but there were the pants yeah. were all on in yours, right? Yeah, no, this was just uh, this <laughs> was cool. just Peter David as Gambit. Okay, uh, right. But um, and then uh, oh god, uh, another uh, fun one. I uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Dave Gibbons was doing a signing. And, um, yeah, I brought my absolute watchman with me. I mean, a lot of people did. What, what else are you going to, you know, Dave Gibbons, you're going to lug your absolute watchman out there. And then, you know, he's like, everyone's asking for like a Rorschach sketch because everyone's an unimaginative idiot. So, <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, I'm going to go Rorschach. So, so I was just like, oh, you know, um, you know, he's like, oh, who, who do you want me to sketch in the book? And I was like, oh, um, could you do, uh, you know, Ozymandias. And, and he just goes, oh, the pretty one. And then I said, oh, no, it's, it's if you don't want to draw it. And, and like without missing a, ba- a beat in that like really dry British wit, wit he was just like, no, nope, you already told me to draw Ozymandias. So that's what you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's do you do you miss it at all like you're you I, I understand why you would i would retire from it too very quickly but uh is it <laughs> i would get out of that game as fast as i possibly could yeah oh. i uh I, i'm not good at multitasking like I, I, sitting at a show and drawing with my head down while people are talking to me is something that i'm not good at mm. um my mm. stuff so 
my pencils are so loose that I need to be focusing on what I'm doing like 110%. So I, I, I'm already compromised being at a show. What I would do towards the end of uh, when I was taking commissions was just take them back to my um, yeah. hotel room and do it before I got drunk. Uh, and I could guarantee a better product. And I was in a quiet space with my music on and whatever. Um, plus, I usually like to be at a show standing because I felt bad that my customers were on their feet and I was sitting down. And I tried to, you know, I've since given that up. I've decided to sit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I, I, part of me was like, I never, I didn't get to draw anything cool. Like, I rarely got like, Blade Runner or Aliens or you know Zorro, yeah. I would just get like Wolverine, Batman, Batman, Wolverine or Deadpool, you know whatever. So uh, yeah, I wish people came up with some interesting things. Like I, I've debated putting out a commission request and saying, "Here's a hundred things I want to draw," and I would put in like you know Pirates of Dark Water and Biker Mice from Mars and just really oh, limit. Yeah. And if you want commissions, these are the hundred things I'm willing to draw for you, but you have to pick from this list and see what happens. I, I had so many biker mice from Mars figures as a kid. I had this, yeah, I think people might like that. Actually, I, it's funny. I, I bet, um, Cause I do watch a lot of uh, customers come up and they, they just, they don't know exactly what they want. So they go either super overcomplicated and they're like, I, yeah. I, I yeah. Deadpool, just give me Deadpool. And then, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that, could, that could actually help. But yeah, yeah, Blade Runner. I'm a huge Blade Runner fan. So yeah, yeah I need no, more. No crazy stories. Then nobody came up to you say, "I want to," you know, "I want Mr. Fantastic, <laughs> but with a pineapple <laughs> down there or something like." No, I. Uh, uh, as my career started exploding, I st started doing less commissions, and mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that made commissions so expensive is probably my fault. Is uh, back in uh, ten years ago, I, I said to my art dealer, like, I don't want to do any more commissions. Mm -hmm. He goes, Well, why don't we just charge a lot so so you'll cut down on your on your list? And I go, Fine, I want a thousand bucks, and I'm like, That's like triple what I was getting, and I wasn't trying to gouge people. I just did not want to draw commissions. Like, sure. I'd rather just draw pages and get royalties and blah blah blah. So when everyone saw, oh, Sean just crossed a thousand dollars for commissions, like everyone started raising their prices too. And um, <laughs> oh, thanks, people yeah. who like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's wonderful. It went from Sean's being greedy to let's all be greedy too. <laughs> you know that amazing that hypocrisy. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're responsible. I got yeah, uh, I, I didn't mean to. I I lucked out and I did get a sketch from uh, Fiona Staples right as like Saga was blowing up before yeah. Uh, yeah. she closed everything down. I had to finagle though because I was on the list. Uh, yeah. This was I guess New York Comic Con 2012. I, I want to yeah. say, yeah. and um, the art like she she didn't have time to do it at the convention or whatever. She was she was backed up and the dealer was at the table and was just like, oh, you know, she she's not going to have any time. I'm going to close this down and you know we'll refund you. Don't worry about it. And um, so I was at the image party later anyway, and I just went up to, you know, I just talked to Fiona and I was just like, hey, you know, I'm on your list. And like the, the guy was saying, you know, I was going to do that. And she was like, oh, no, 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 I don't, no, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll mail it to you. We won't have to refund you because I knew this was yeah. going to end. So, yeah. so I'm like, let me get this now because yeah. there's no more of this. Yeah. She's yeah. one of my closest friends in comics. Like I, oh, yeah. I love her to death. Um, but I remember sitting with her in uh, North or South Carolina, and mm -hmm. we were each doing sketches. She had yeah. two lines. Mm -hmm. One was for people that had prepaid, and one was for people that had just shown up or whatever. And we were doing this all for free or for cheap at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and at the show, 
people there like didn't know who me and Fiona were. They, they just were like, cool, comic book artist. I'm drawing the Flash and like characters that I'd never get requested. And she's doing it too. And I remember looking over and seeing her line and like some of the people there were obviously for, for Saga, but I could tell there's about a year of this left and then we're never going to see Fiona Staples commissions ever again. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I had her draw uh, Dr. Foster yeah. too. Good. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. right. The tracker tracking her down at a party when she's socializing. That's a bold move, man. I can't say I would have responded so positively. <laughs> well, I, I had already interacted via email and stuff to arrange oh, okay. the, the sketch. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't like cold. Yeah. It was like, yeah. um, we're learning was a lot of things that, here today. Yeah. Uh, was this that image, um, that somebody image wanted party. a thing with a penis. I, I got it. <laughs> was this that image party in Manhattan where it was in like some huge arcade and it was just chaos? This was before that. I remember that party and that was yeah. a mess. This was, I yeah. want to say this was um, maybe a year before that. Cause Kieran Gillen was there in like a Cyclops t-shirt yeah. with like a sports jacket on. Like, so I think okay. he was writing Uncanny at the time. So yeah. it was around then. <laughs> right. You know, I don't know why that's the detail from that party that I'm like, oh yeah, when yeah. he was in the <laughs> the uh, Cyclops t-shirt. and the sports yeah. It's so weird to me when there's a, at the end of a show, <laughs> people are like, what's going on tonight? Like no one actually plans ahead. They're like, what are you doing for dinner? Or is there a party? And we all hear about some party by some, by image, for example. And it turns to, it starts with, um, you're going to need it's only it's invite only. So you can only bring one friend and then you get there and it's like, everyone can get in, including people who have nothing to do with comics, you know? Yeah. It's just chaos. So I, I never know what those events are going to be like. I don't think image does those anymore. Oh, not under COVID. I, I don't, I don't think they do. Um, everyone just kind of, I don't know. It's a pissing contest on who's cooler. Yeah. Sure. Cause the whole thing is like, oh, well, if you heard of the party, it can't be that cool. You have to go to the party that yeah. no, one, no one else knows about. And it's like, so who I'm cares? Curious. I, I want to know what you guys think about that. Cause I feel that too. When I walk into a bar after a show, I'm like, I feel eyes on me and they're like, oh, he's got Batman. He's overpaid. He said something on Twitter. Like, I can just feel that. And I just want to get my drink. And I should have just gone to a bar where there aren't going to be any pros. You guys feel that too? When you go in, you can feel like the the ego, the chess game of egos that's happening. Yeah, everyone is either Shooter McGavin or the guy that wants to go to Red Lobster with them. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's going to the bar with comic pros with these things. <laughs> it's an interesting environment. I mean, like the Hyatt uh, at San Diego Comic Con. I think that's the bar. Now they built yeah. the Marriott. They they have the convention center. I think you got the Marriott and then the Hyatt. And it's it yeah. seems like the Hyatt bar is where a lot of people wound up. Um, and then you had a collection of people that would go to Old Town uh, that would drive up there. That was always kind of the sketchy one because you kind of worried who would be able to get back. So that that's yeah. where I always felt like I, in the back of my head, I'm thinking um, I'm going to have to get all these guys home somehow. Yeah, because yeah. that's getting out of. It. But but I think it's the the whole party scene at the cons. Um, I just kind of wonder, it seems like artists get into less trouble. And I think we may have talked about this before, Sean, but it's hmm. if the artists are going back up to the, the hotel room to maybe get caught up on their commissions, they're, yeah. uh, they're saving themselves like four hours of, of uh, drinking time. And yeah. <laughs> that's probably yeah. why you see less of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, and I've said this before, but it, for, for, it's like you're on the East coast and you go to San Diego so you go from spending 12 hours a day at the drawing table, talking to nobody, mm -hmm. getting mad at Twitter, and then you get on a flight. So you jet lagged. 
you're in San Diego, you're exhausted. You spend all day working. You probably skipped lunch. Um, there's a, you know, an Eisner show where you didn't win an award, of course, or someone you hate won an award. Yeah. Uh, so there's this value judgment going on and, uh, everyone, you know, people are shoving microphones and cameras in front of you all day, asking you to talk about Batman and you have zero media training. So you're just hoping not to get fired. And then everybody goes and gets trashed and it's just countdown to drama. Like this is the, uh, pressure cooker. Like it's gonna happen. It's designed. It seems like it's designed for people to act like assholes and say dumb shit. And I've, I've done it too. I mean, I'm not above it. I try to be careful now, but. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like then the the uh, the uh, the original art trade and commissions is the solution to all this. That we just get more yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, get back to work, artists. Don't start <laughs> drinking until you're done your commission list. We kind of how do the, how do the writers get in on this? I got to write something. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, what was it? Uh, like Pete Tomasi will sell scripts at shows. Yeah. It just sure, prints yeah. out, signs them. Yeah, I have a friend who prints out one version of the script, signs it, and sells it. I don't know how well he does with them. Yeah, but uh, they could, yeah. make original scripts where the characters all swear in ways. They, <laughs> there you go. You know, he was um, like yeah. Pete would take certain scripts. Like uh, there was that. Like what was it? That like near silent like issue and the new fifty two run of Batman and Robin after Damien died mm -hmm. in his run. Like he was like yeah. he'd take like scripts like that. And yeah. at the time, and he he was selling those. I think Peter David also sold like key issue scripts and yeah and things I mean, like that. But it's it's not a game uh, almost any writer can get in because no. yeah. it's going to be very hard. I mean, maybe if you got Scotty Young to do some erotica in the in the you know, <laughs> sure, and that could maybe do it. But uh, well, all that extra time allows uh, people to uh, scour Twitter to be mad about things. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's important. Part yeah. of yeah, <laughs> part of yeah. being a pro is being angry. It's it's important because uh, how do I know if uh, I, I could be uh, collaborating with or, or talking to a, a monster? Yeah. yeah, I gotta I gotta get on there and and see. I gotta you know share certain tweets and DMs and be like, hey, do you know yeah. this person? Because this seems a bit weird to me. And it, you know, it, if mean. I was trying to make more money, I wouldn't be able to do that. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you'd just be making more money. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. you know, from you from potentially uh, the wrong people. Do you, do you, Sean, as as an artist, um, and obviously you've established yourself extremely well as writer and artist. Um, do you think is there is there going to be a point where I mean, you mentioned before that you know a good part of your income is is based in this um, hmm. selling art and selling original art. Do you think that we see? artists start pushing more to go away from digital because they need that money or, or like, yeah. you think this turns back at all? Yeah, I, I would like, to, I would hope so. Um, you know, as a purist, as an old school guy, pencil inker, uh, yeah, I, I, there's value, I think, in putting ink on page and letting happy accidents happen. You don't have control Z all the time. You don't trace backgrounds or put up your uh, perspective like all these shortcuts that uh, digital artists use. Um, they're amazing, but I, I do, just to be a, an art snob, I do miss the fact that they're not actually drawing on paper. And when they do have to draw on paper all of a sudden at a show, they're not good at it. Like they, I've seen an artist try to oh, yeah. zoom in on a piece of paper. Yeah, I've like seen that. Grab it with, with two fingers. You ever like look at a map and try to move it with your finger? Yes. Because you're used to seeing it on your phone. I, I've actually done that. 
that's what they're doing is they're like trying to zoom in on their own drawing. And it's like, wow, this is, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. I, it is you know, it is hysterical. Uh, I've seen some pretty big name yeah. artists do that where they and just sober, you know, by the way. Finish. Right. Yeah. Totally yeah, sober. Sober. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, it, it feels like a bit of a trap because I know it was sold to some of the artists is this would be quicker, this would be faster. Maybe you get a little bit more money because you're penciling and inking, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but then you take away all of that back-end revenue yeah and and you don't really realize that's happened and now it, it's i'm you know you hear more and more that the companies are trying to drive down the page rates it's just uh yeah it's like a race to the bottom yeah like is a penciler inker team i mean we still have a few of them around but um that's not an idea that's promoted like can you just have a career as an inker right now i mean yeah. starting out i don't know uh yeah, there aren't a lot of inkers. I, I think like um was it Mark Morellas, I think still does a lot of inking at Marvel. Yeah. But there aren't like a lot of oh, no, inkers. Yeah. yeah. We got Tim Townsend who you know, him with um uh uh ah, fuck. I'm so bad with names now. Anyway, yeah, there's a handful left and they've tied themselves to the wagon of another artist. Like, you know, Jim Lee always works with um Scott, Scott Williams. Williams, Williams yeah, yeah, so Scott's just gonna, Scott's not going anywhere. Like he'll link Jim to his grave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, do you, I don't see any new teams being created. Um, when I started thinking myself, it was only because I wanted to make more money in comics. Like in college, right. I, when I went to school in 2000, I thought comics was a real lucrative business because I remember stories of Rob Liefeld making a ton of money yeah. on Youngblood. And when I graduated in 2003, People like, oh no, you didn't hear? Like there was a massive collapse and comics aren't, you're not actually making a lot of money anymore. And uh, I don't know how I missed it. I think I was so busy drawing, I just stopped reading and collecting and paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I got so scared, like, well, fuck, how am I gonna make the money I wanna make? So I'm like, well, I'm just gonna ink myself and I'll just try to find a way to be really fast to get double the rates. But mm -hmm. as you just said, Perch, I mean, with digital, I mean, you hire an artist to pencil, ink, and color his own work for a penciler rate now. And that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. And then nothing you get to keep, nothing you get to sell. Your your hope yeah. is that you can kind of make it up in maybe commissions when you're at the the con circuit. But now we've had a year of, of no cons. Yeah. We're in for at least another six months. I mean, it, it feels like that's uh that's created a very bad situation. Um, yeah. and then on top of that, if people are going through a, a dealer or a rep with the art that they do have, or maybe they do not have any technical skills, so they have no way to really reach people. Mm, online. Yeah. I mean, I know there's some artists who, who make deals via Twitter DM, but that's that's like the yeah. least efficient possible way to do any of that. Yeah, yeah. or they have a GeoCities site from the 90s <laughs> you can go to. Yeah, there are a couple that <laughs> yeah. are that are that out there. Back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh but so it feels like a lot of money being left on the table, but also the table is rapidly shrinking. Yeah, I don't know. Um yeah, I, I would hope that some of these big artists would do some originals just to sell your marquee pages. Mm -hmm. um, I think Fiona used to do that. I don't know if she does anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Artists get stuck in these systems, these habits, and they don't ever seem to stop themselves and think about what it means in the future. Like I knew an artist who said, oh, I like to uh, be digital because it's faster and I can produce twice as much. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, but I, I couldn't afford to be digital right now because I rely on my original art sales. And he yeah. said, well, I never really sold a lot of original art. And in my mind, I'm thinking that's because your stuff's pretty generic, but I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> I feel like if you want to sell a lot of art, you need to be on the right book that spotlights you correctly. You need to have, it helps to have a unique style that mm -hmm. no one else can do, but it's like, it, it's so hard to get there. I mean, if you're looking for stability in comics, you're almost better off just being house style just for the sake of reliability, honestly, you know, I mean, being like Paul Pope is awesome, but, uh, it's a hard, it's a big bet to try to make yourself the next Paul Pope and think it's going to work out. Like there's only a handful of artists like Daniel Warren Johnson, Paul yeah. Pope, me, and a few others that I can think of who can sort of have all those three things. Mm -hmm. you know, most people just don't have that, that luxury. Yeah. You know, it feels like if you're new, it's going to be harder to break in. So you're putting some obstacles in front of you if you are, if yeah. you're, if you're doing that. So that's, yeah. that's going to make it very, very difficult. Yeah. You know, the other the thing that I, I've wrestled with this a lot and it's to sort of widen the argument here, widen the discussion. I, when I hear stories of artists not making money, part of me feels really bad. Mm -hmm. um, overworked, not trained in business, people taking advantage of them, all these big movies making millions and they're making shit. That yeah. does, uh, my artist side does uh, empathize with that. But the other half of me is like, why did, didn't you know that getting into this? Didn't you know that yeah. this is like a niche, niche, niche industry? Um, when you decided to just, you know, go digital, didn't you think of what that would do to your income? You didn't read your contracts. You didn't have a plan. Like, I'm sorry, but I, I, the capitalist in me sort of starts to get fed up when I see artists making excuses for why they're complaining and they're not doing anything to fix it. Like I thought the deal was when we all got into this, it was high risk, low pay. And that's just the nature of it. Like if you want to be a mime, if you love miming, awesome. But you know that there's not okay. a lot of money in that, you know? But the yeah. fucking difference is yeah. you don't hear mimes complain about it. Well, well you don't talk. hear mimes complain about anything. But but no, but uh, on, on top of that, I think that's why Jim Lee went from being a mime to a comic artist. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I it, it's it's a tough thing because I think it's very easy to get yourself in the trap and it's um it's awareness of your situation where yeah. you you should it, it, you get very you get very tunnel vision where you don't realize the trap you've put yourself in. Yeah, and I think it to to many people, and I've talked. This is more writers than I notice than artists. But you talk to people, it's like, well, my most important part of my day is networking through Twitter, uh -huh. and then doing my work, and then uh, you know trying to hustle for some other work with this editor I know through Twitter. Right, and it's like that's their life. That's what they've convinced themselves the only way to get forward in this business is to do that. But yeah. The time suck, which you and I have talked about before. The time suck of Twitter is like can be half your day or more. Yeah. You know? And and so it's it's it, all this stuff just keeps you pinned down, but you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. Oh, I, I was going to say, and then especially after the last year, or so I, I know a lot of people. Um, you, you put a lot into uh, networking on on Twitter or via email or stuff like that, and those editors are gone now yeah. yeah. and that's two years, three years sometimes that just yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of my, another critique I have of a lot of artists is that it's in they're natural for them to want to sit around and wait for someone to offer them something. They feel like I went to college. I have these skills. People see my stuff. I have a website. Now it's their job to come to me and offer me a gig. Right. And I tried that when I was younger and I had gaps where I had no money coming in and I had to 
make books for myself. And I said, well, I'm going to write off-road. Uh, I put together, I managed a book called uh, Outer Orbit for Dark Horse back in the day. I actually wrote two issues of that and didn't get credit for it, which is fine. Oh. Uh, but I, I didn't see myself as a writer. I thought of myself as a project manager. So I would meet a writer and go, right, I want to draw Terminator. Can you write me a Terminator script or something like that? And then maybe we'll split the different, like, there's got to be ways to help manage your own career. But a lot of artists are not even thinking that way. And they can look at successful Kickstarters in the face and they still won't, they'd still rather spend time networking on Twitter than spending those two hours a day putting together a campaign that's actually going to make them more money. Yeah. You know, and at yeah. some point, like I, I just can't help people that don't want to help themselves. It, it, it's, it's tough when you see somebody so in the trap that they, they don't realize they're in the trap. They don't want to hear anything about how to get yeah. out of that trap. And it's, uh, it's it's all about kind of reinforcing these in some cases decisions they've made that that are keeping yeah. them down. I mean it it's stuff. I love the project manager analogy because I think in comics in many ways that would be a a really good role for yeah for people to have. Like <laughs> yes, we, we need that. That's in theory an editor, but maybe yeah. not. You know, at the same time. Yeah, I mean, if if I was an editor who got fired, I would. Try, I would hire an assistant and just try to specialize in crowdfunding. And I'd say to artists, you don't want to write, fine. Tell me the kind of story that you would like to draw and let me try to find a writer for you. And then we will put together a project. We will kickstart it. We'll figure out a system, a, a pipeline where we'll offer, you know, uh, prints and sketches yeah. and interviews, yeah. whatever. Like, you know, in different tiers, because you're a C-level artist or C-level writer, you can't get as much, of course. But I mean, seeing how little people are making at the big two these days, uh, you're not making that much less doing a Kickstarter that barely squeaks by in some cases, and you own the IP, you yeah. know, and yeah. you can sell NFTs of it, and they're your characters, and this and that. But no one's really, uh, no, actually, no. There are a few people that are starting to do this, but there's no one big that's really made a mark yet. Yeah, it feels like it has to come soon, though. Yeah, I hope so. I, mean, I have yeah. friends who are he's complaining, and he's got a great style, and I'm like, man, you got a unique style. Out, but if you keep doing these short-term gigs for Marvel, you're never going to get spotlight like you want. Like you need like a, a classic manga type story. That's what you need, and I think you'll blow up. You know, I, I'm telling him like, think of three stories that you would like to draw, and find writer friends of yours who would be interested in writing them for you, and get get it started. So be yeah. your own project manager. And now I'm just going to be on Twitter for three hours a day, and hopefully this networking will pay pay back dividends at some point. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. That's a huge mistake. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I it's funny. I, I've heard so many artists who have ideas. It's exactly that. They, they know what they want to draw. They have a style yeah. of something they want to do. They don't want to write the story or they don't know how to write the story. And they just, they kind of wish a writer would come along. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you, you've got a decent name. You've got a great style. Yeah. If you just kind of push this out there, you would, you would have dozens of people falling over themselves to write that story for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't need to be an A level skill set. If you you can be a C level or B level skill set, but have a A level marketing plan or an A level idea, or like there's other ways to survive. There's tons of people who exist just fine on kicks on crowdfunding, who aren't that good at what they do, but they've yeah. got stick to itiveness. They work their asses off, and they're doing better than a lot of people in comics. Whether well, or not their stuff's getting nominated for awards, and and some of the biggest 
books in in the industry at like the big two just because they're the biggest books doesn't mean that the single greatest artist and single greatest writer in the industry is working on them right like sure. that's yeah. just not how it works yeah what would uh, kind of take it back to art for a second so if you were kind of advising somebody who is interested in collecting art or getting into art or or wanting you know as a, as a customer yeah how, how would you sean tell them and, and joe how would you tell them to begin uh, Joe, you go first. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. What was that again? Just give it up. No, no, just if, if somebody's uh, like, you've collected smart, somebody yeah. is saying, I have an interest here. How do I start? Where do I go with this? Uh, kind of looping back to, yeah. to what I was um, saying earlier was um, stick with contemporaries. Stick uh -huh. with like, if, if you like something coming out now, look into that. Because a lot of times that's also going to be closer to what you can reasonably get because you, you can't, it, it becomes a much more complicated game when you start looking at stuff that's 20, 30, 40 years old, because that art could have changed hands so many times. Um, mm -hmm. Depending on how old it is, it might literally just not exist because they used to destroy the art. Uh, so sticking to uh, contemporaries, looking at, at like, going on social media or checking websites, actually seeing who is offering commissions or selling pages, go that route. Don't, if you're just starting, don't start finding artists and DMing or reach, trying to find ways to reach them to be like, is there a page? You know, like mm -hmm. stick to it that way. Uh, definitely commissions at cons um, yeah. going that way. Um, seeing if someone posts like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a commission list. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so check on Monday. I'm going to open it, and the first 20 people to respond, I'll put on the list. There's a lot of artists that do that. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. Look, looking at at cons, mm -hmm. um, and it also depends on who you want to give that money to. Do you want to pay? Does it mean something to you to support that particular artist, or do you only want the page? If yeah. you only want the page or only want art from someone and you don't care if you're supporting them directly or not, you could go on eBay and, mm -hmm. and see what pages are available there. Maybe you just want, or, you know, the, sometimes the artist has already passed. Maybe you want a Kurt Swan page. Doesn't really matter. You can't give Kurt Swan money. You, you go on yeah. eBay and, and, and see what's there. But uh, if you want to support the artists, like getting commissions is always yeah. great. Um, also, Something I like to do, I just started doing this. I finally, I got my first cover recreation commission. If, oh yeah, those are interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I love those, especially like old Silver Age, like ridiculous covers. Explain yeah. perfectly. So what is that to people? So like a cover recreation, and artists will usually mention if that is something they do. Um, they will have a certain fee where they will do, it's usually like a, an 11 by 17 recreation of a cover. So they will like try to mimic the style of, of a particular cover um you know they'll they'll you know sign it their name and say like this is you know inspired by or you know a homage to mm -hmm. bob brown or neil adams or whoever it is right and you know that that way that's a way if you want to have an original piece but let's say you really want that kind of stuff like you're you are an almost like Anyone listening to this is probably never going to get to own 
<laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 300, the the cover. You're probably never going to get not. to own that. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I don't know. My clientele, no, probably not. <laughs> yeah, but you might be able to get someone like like an artist that does cover recreations to to give you something like that. Mm. Uh, you know, or yeah, you know, the the you could run the gamut. I mean, you know, the X-Men number one is a common like you know cover yeah. recreation. Things like that, um, you know, Amazing Fantasy fifteen, you know, and you can get an artist to do do that for you, and and those again, those depending on the artist, you could be spending anywhere from three four hundred dollars to two thousand dollars, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, the the one caveat to that, and I love that idea, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm actually I'm curious if anyone's ever done a recreation of an interior page. Yeah, it it yeah. There was like an amazing sequence that hasn't been done. Really that's that sounds. The, uh, um, but the one thing with that uh, though is oh sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say um the commission stuff though usually you don't get your money back when you get a commission like generally mm -hmm. you get it because you like it if you get something yeah. more generic like batman on a gargoyle then and you get to buy a big batman artist then okay maybe you'll sell that for a profit later on but yeah, yeah. commissions mostly you do it just because you love it mm -hmm. um I, I agree with everything you said joe sure. one uh thing people forget about is um auctions Mm -hmm. um online auctions like comic link is one around here uh they don't allow you to use bots to snipe people the last minute so you actually have to mm. stay awake and click yourself and my friend ended up getting like a jim lee page for like 500 bucks oh, which oh, wow. if that was on a site with a dealer and it was featured that would have been at least quadruple that price oh yeah yeah and a lot of these auction places still have their featured pieces which immediately jacks the price up but then there's a mm -hmm. ton of great stuff that's uh from the 80s and 90s that's just not as marquee as you think but if you just yeah. do a little bit of research I, my friend got a, a another like a deadpool page by jason pearson one of my favorite artists yeah. for like 150 uh -huh. bucks and the, he could flip that the next day for 500 easy sure that's kind of like the one thing people forget about well i'm sorry perch i didn't mean to cut you off no 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 you just I, to your there's definitely interior pages that have been recreated um the the secret wars double page spread where the heroes are all kind of assembled in one room is one that i know oh yeah a number yeah. of artists have been asked to do but what about when uh, the artist you asked to do the cover recreation proceeds to and i know this has happened a few times pretty much trace the cover <laughs> and then you you get a trace of the cover like i, I this has happened a few yeah. times i always suspected the artist was kind of being a dick and did that on purpose but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that artist isn't looking out for his customers. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> yeah. guy would try to be, you know, if I do a, like, I'll sell a cover for like five to 15 grand sometimes. If I have someone asking me for a custom cover, it's in my interest to make sure that I'm not fucking them over. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, I want their 15 grand. And I'd, I'd like them to keep coming back to me, of course. So I'll send yeah. them um, emails and prelims and ask questions just to make sure. I'll save everything too, just so I can, in case I need to refer back to it or whatever. Like, you know, again, everyone walks away happy, but yeah, yeah if artists are just tracing and they don't give a shit, then yeah. usually, I mean, on um, comic art fans or whatever, mm -hmm. there's uh, forums and uh, I don't search them that much, but it seems to be a pretty fun, positive community because everyone's just yeah. about the love of art. But I would imagine that it's easy to find which artists to avoid pretty easily. Maybe not through that network, but some other one like, oh, so-and-so artist is known for being lazy or not mm -hmm. giving you know, he's taking money or you know doing it half ass so stay away from him you know like i feel like there's probably the, the word is out on some artists who are screwing over customers in one way or another it, do you think it can so that was going to be my next question it, it it catches up pretty quick doesn't it i mean yeah like, you can't go on doing this for very long <laughs> yeah 
No, you got to have some kind of, uh, yeah, the, the more of a, you know, history you have of people coming back to you. And then, yeah, I guess that's the risk with getting new art from contemporary people is if they're young and upcoming, you hope they're going to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, but if you're not paying a lot for it, and that's kind of the charm is you're getting kind of a bargain for an up and comer, then part of the risk is he might not do a good job, you know, or maybe yeah. he will. And one day he'll blow up and be the next Paul Pope. And then you'll, you know, that piece will be worth a lot more or whatever. That's mm -hmm. kind of the fun of it, of investing and following it. It's, yeah. you know. Now, now what about, um, cause I'd speculated on this while back and this is definitely into paranoia territory. I want to, I want to <laughs> update, yeah. but as uh, there have been plenty of lawsuits from Disney when they found out that like a daycare painted <laughs> Mickey Mouse inside of the wall, yeah. and yet um, artists go to conventions, they draw commission, they, you know, so an artist can draw Spider Man and sell it and keep all the money, and you know, yeah. it's their own little game. It feels like there's a ticking time bomb waiting for a Disney or somebody to say, "Hey, you know that is our IP you're you're drawing here." Mm -hmm. um, do you think there comes a day where that happens, and what would be the reaction? Yeah, you know, as a lawyer, if I was a lawyer, I'd say I totally get that these companies have to do due diligence, especially with NFTs. It brought a lot of this, these uncomfortable questions that they would rather not answer. Sure. Uh, now they have to be answered. Uh, as an artist or someone who, you know, I see this industry as a family and I see Wolverine as um, a friend in a way, not being able to draw a Wolverine sketch and sell it just feels like that's not what I signed up for when I got into the comics. I thought yeah. that we were sort of allowed to sell one-off commissions at least. Um, you now selling massive amounts of prints of Wolverine, mm. that's different. You know, selling yeah. T-shirts of Wolverine from your website, of course. Like, but like one-off commissions was um, was always expected to be like a nice little bonus, and that's the only way that artists are able to go to shows. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. I, I wrote DC uh, a, a letter. Um, I don't know, what was it called? A mission statement, or whatever. But I wrote to them, and I was like, you know, I get the NFT stuff, and they know me really well, and they know that I'm very practical and not very artsy fartsy. Like they know I'm very grounded, and I said you need us to go to shows. You need us to go there to do interviews, to create content, media, sound bites. You need us there. You know, think of all the deals that get done. And, sure. you know, Scott Snyder got jock on Batman Dark Dark Mirror because he got him drunk at a bar in San Diego. Like if that interaction hadn't happened, you wouldn't be making money off that book. Like there's benefit to getting us all together. Um, if, we, if artists can't go because they can't pay their own way, then you missing out a lot too. Um, yeah. And in their defense, DC Comics, I don't think the people in the office want to crack down at all. I think it's just that the lawyers know that this is coming and the corporate overlords above them are seeing. Right. So that's what's, you know, the average Joe in the office doesn't care. Um, so I don't want to vilify the companies too much because it's not coming mm. from them. It's coming from their parent companies. Yeah. No, and, and for everybody's like, oh, I can't believe a big corporation would try and manage this kind of stuff. Um, you know, I refer you to our earlier conversation where we were talking about the Hulk and the thing in the locker room with a penis. And, <laughs> Not know, a stony penis, a real it, penis flesh. If you're, uh, if you're a, you know, a Disney IP lawyer, you know, you might look at that and think, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't want that floating around out there. Yeah. Swinging um, around, whatever it might be. Well, so I 
I haven't looked at my contract for a while, but I thought that it said that I keep the art and I get to do what I want with it, but it might not. Um, yeah. Do companies legally own the artwork that I draw for them? Like, um, if if I'm not trying to fear monger at all, but it would be mm-hmm. very easy for, let's just talk about Marvel because I don't work for them. It'd be very easy for Marvel to say, well, we're going to fix this NFT problem right now. Mm-hmm. We're only going to pay artists who are digital because then uh, we don't have to worry about um, them sure. doing commissions and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. We're just going to, we, we, if you would draw traditionally, you will not get your paycheck unless you mail us the original art, period. Yeah. They could do that fix some of this problem overnight if they wanted to be dicks about it uh i don't know if that day is coming honestly i still feel like the original art market uh is fine the way it has been for a long time but the nft thing really does ask uncomfortable questions like why am i allowed to sell a page of batman white knight but i'm not allowed to sell a digital copy nft of that same page of white knight and they don't have an answer for that and they know it, <laughs> you know, and I think legal, if I decided to start selling these things and it went to court, I don't think DC would win. I mean, they have, you know, 50 you years. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. It's, there's a lot of precedent here, but it'll be interesting to see how it all tracks. Um, yeah. Shoshan, I, I know Joe, uh, we're kind of at the end of our time, but, uh, yep. any kind of last thoughts, uh, about art? I mean, I, I, my big thing would be, I just hope people pursue it. There's a world out there. If you love comic art, there's a lot you can do and you just have to go digging. Yeah. Um, so the thing that I've been doing lately is, uh, I'll divide my art into four tiers. Mm. Um, my system is like, I've got the schlocky low end Batman art, um, which I'll sell at the lowest price. I don't Mm. think it's going to be worth a lot. It's not a splashy Batman. I've got tier two, which is something that goes for mid-range prices. Um, it's not going to be a retirement piece. It's not a cover, but it's something that I, I should be getting more money out of that. I'll price that 5 to 10% higher than my tier one. So I'm looking to get two, a price from two years from now, now, mm-hmm. rather than two years from now is kind of my thinking. And all of this is uh, adjustable, of course. Tier three art is... If I'm going to sell this really nice page now, I, I kind of want the price I'm going to get two years from now to five years from now. Like I want to make sure that I'm not selling something that's going to go up in value in a year. Like I want to get some of the later money right now. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have tier four, which is retirement pieces. And these I'm not selling at all. Um, if somebody really wants the cover to, you know, white knight number one, I'm going to look to get 50 to a hundred thousand out of it because I'm betting on myself to ha- command Frank Miller prices one day, or if there's like a white knight movie or white knight series of some kind, then I would sell it. Um, but I, I hate to gut somebody because I know that cover is not worth that now, but I need the price that I would be getting in 20 years is my thinking. Um, yeah. but the other part of all of that is like, is it better for me to sell it now and invest that money in stocks and real estate, whatever, if I can grow at 12% every year, then just sell it now. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just my theory, but I, I've never heard anyone else. No artist usually categorizes their art this way, but this is yeah. kind of the system that my friend and I came up with, and it seems to be working. Nice. Yeah. I, I hope more will. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> Joe, Sean, thank you for a wonderful conversation. I think uh, we're going to get back on here again soon. Talk uh, talk to you, Bruce, or something. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, well thank you, everybody, and, uh, and thanks for listening. Thanks, thank guys. You.